As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability explicit or implied shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Are you stuck in a quagmire of poor cash flow and or high stress and not sure how to move your business to a new level of profitability? Break the barriers that are blocking your business from expansion and growth and begin to live your dream now. Welcome to Dr. Doug Radio, where you are taught marketing and growth strategies from the experts. And here's Dr. Doug. Hey folks, this is Dr. Doug with Dr. Doug Radio. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, I've got a really cool guy on the phone today. His name is Jan Roos. And am I pronouncing that right, Jan? Yes, sir. Okay, good. Just wanted to make sure. Jan is the founder of Expert Engines, a marketing company, as well as an award-winning serial entrepreneur and author of the book, The Legal Marketing Fast Lane. Now, when we talk about the legal, are we talking about what's legal and not legal, or what's this really focused on? Uh, Well, this is actually mostly marketing for companies in the legal space, so law firms for the most part. But a lot of the stuff that we do can be generalized to uh, service uh, service businesses in general and a lot of different businesses, as long as they have a certain few criteria. Okay, good. And, and I know that that's what we want to talk about. And, you know, I, Jan, I find it's really interesting that even though one might determine that they're going to go into this particular niche, the, the concepts of marketing for one niche is, for most part, the same for other niches, isn't it, and for other companies? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's definitely a a kind of a, there's some dimensions that I like to consider when using the particular type of traffic, which I'm sure we'll get into. But um, yeah, I mean, I think at the end, it's it's like almost any field, rather, regardless of whether it's marketing or not, the people who can apply the principles effectively can use those to, to find success regardless of where they go. 
Well, and you've written some cool blogs on your website. By the way, share with the audience your website. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's expertengines.co. .co. Okay, rather than .com, it's just .co. Yeah, that's the yeah, engine repair site in Ontario, if I'm not mistaken. I, I missed that one. I missed the boat on that by a couple years. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So if they get the engine repair, they got to take the M off of it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, cool. So anyway, I was reading some of those blogs and, you know, really fascinating what you're talking about. Um, and, and as, you know, we talk a lot about marketing on this show for the small business owner. And, and one of the things, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the key to having the right target market. You've got to really determine who your market is and really identify them so specifically. In this one particular blog you're talking about, what I like is now you're talking about another area of that, and that's choosing the right channel. Now, let me share a story with you. When I when I was a few years ago, I was talking to one of my buddies who's real good at you know online marketing, and we were talking about well, do I do I pay per click or do I do any of these types of things, and. And as he started really doing some analysis, we realized that based on his research, there were some channels that just were not right for what I do. And and I appreciate the fact that you're talking about the fact that you've got to have the right channel depending on what kind of industry you happen to be in. Would you share with the audience a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely, Doctor. Uh, so basically, I'm kind of going back into a bit of my um – you know, my own background and how I came to this conclusion. One of the first businesses I started after I got out of school was a supplement company, and we were operating in two very, very different markets. So one of our products was positioned towards athletes, specifically CrossFit and triathlon. And the other product was positioned <laughs> towards the um, the outdoors and survival market. So, it, and I was, you know, I was the person who was in charge of the sales and marketing. <clears throat> that was, I was like, you know, I was the marketing co-founder and also the technical uh, co-founder. But uh, basically, I was, I was super perplexed because, you know, we were trying basically, you know, this is you know, small business 101. You're trying everything, throwing the kitchen sink at, at, at the market and seeing what responds. So I saw some things that would work like gangbusters in one market and then totally fall flat in the others. And... You know, obviously it was the same kind of work was being done because I was doing most of it for myself at that point. So <clears throat> I kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, there's there's the whole element of skill, which obviously is important. But, you know, having something that matches the channel is, is you know, that that ultimately was was the conclusion I came to. So it's like, you know, some of the uh, for the uh, in the health market, for example, it's very, very hard to come by anything that's related to PR just because there's so much content out there that you know, you're going to have to shout pretty loud or have some pretty fantastic stuff going on in order to make it work. Uh, well, that worked fa- fabulously in, in the, uh, the backpacking and survival niche because it was a lot less mature. There wasn't so much uh, competition out there, so you could say something interesting, and the chances are you were the first person to say it. Um, on the other hand, when we were working with paid traffic in the survival space, it was completely different because we had a product that was basically one of a kind. So there weren't people searching, at least on Google AdWords, for the kind of things that we were positioning out there. So it was much more of an educational sale. So there's you know certain things like farther out in the funnel, uh, more content-based education were, were, was working. While on the flip side, if you're taking it to the um, to the, the fitness market, paid traffic worked a lot better. So you know that that was the thing, and, and you know the kind of conclusion I came to, and you know we, a lot of these sometimes I, I had this situation. This is kind of funny. The first time I actually ventured into AdWords pay-per-click, I lost my entire budget, and uh, we hired a consultant to do it, and uh, we lost the retainer on him as well. 
And the thing that I found that this is kind of you know a, a meta thing for the marketing as a whole is that when people have one skill set, a lot of the times they'll kind of look at it like you know it's the old it's the old adage you know to a man with a hammer everything looks like a nail. So you know my background is somebody who's kind of looking at things from a more holistic perspective. And you know the thing is that I'll say from somebody who's who's running an agency that does one thing at this point, um, it's not fun for anyone involved if you're matching the wrong channel to the to the uh, to the business. Because you're just going to have, you know, the age, you're going to have a harder time trying to make it work, um, you know, and it's just not going to be successful for the client. And, and wherever possible, I try to uh, select for clients that are going to be successful with the kind of marketing that I do before I even get started. So um, sort of a long-winded response. <laughs> that's, uh, well, no, I, I appreciate that. You know, just last week I had someone come up to me <clears throat> and, and they were saying, I really need your help, Doug. And I'm going, okay, so what's going on? She said, well, I've just I've been spending all of this money with this particular uh, situation individual for marketing, and I have not seen any results from it. And I'm going, okay. She says, so basically, I think I'm going to let him go. And she says, I'm talking to someone else next week who tells me that they had the total ability to accomplish what he wasn't able to accomplish. And I said, all right, stop it right now. <laughs> I said, do not, yeah. do not have that meeting until we talk. Because the reality is, is, and I believe you've hit it on the head, is if she's not going into the right channel, I don't care who says they can do something for her. Is it, it's like you say, if someone is expert at this particular channel, but it's not the right channel for that particular business, then they're going to just spend and waste all of that money. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would say, you know, for the, for the most part, especially for business owners that don't have that much to spend, um, you might be better off being a novice figuring out things on your own in the right channel than theoretically hiring the best person in the world at a channel that's not a good fit for your business. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. How does a business owner <clears throat> on their own, because a lot of times the people that we have listening to us right now are really small business owners. They have more time than money, and we're going to talk about that because I know you wrote a blog on that. Mm -hmm. But But meanwhile... How do they figure out what's going to be the best channel for them? Are there any easy steps that they can take? Yeah. So here's the thing. I mean, a lot of the stuff that that I you know that I've come to conclusions like this is this is stuff. A lot of it's come from experience. And the thing that's really challenging about marketing as a whole uh, and trying to decode it from the outside is that people who provide information about marketing are overwhelmingly marketers. <laughs> uh, that's just the way it is. And uh, they're usually pretty good at positioning what they're doing as the, you know, end all be all for whatever it is that you want. So um, my favorite, my favorite book on the subject, and I try to read this as uh, I reread this book as often as possible. It was actually uh, published like way back in the seventies. It's called a uh, breakthrough advertising by Eugene Schwartz. So uh, this whole book is about breaking down the levels of awareness for a business and slash or market. And I'm going through the example of uh, the business that I used to run. Uh, basically, so you'll have, um, you know, you start out with, with people that are unaware that there's a problem. There are markets that, you know, they're solving problems that people don't even know exist. Um, then there's, uh, you know, there's, there's markets that they're aware that there's a problem, but they're not, they're not aware that there's a solution for it. Then they're aware that a solution, but they're not aware of the type. And then finally, you get to something where you're basically tr uh, choosing brands. So, you know, when we're talking about stuff that works really well with, for example, paid traffic, um, that's something where, uh, you know, if I'm advertising on behalf of a personal injury lawyer, uh, you know, we don't have to go through the trouble of explaining what it is that a personal injury lawyer does. By the time somebody types in personal injury lawyer Boston into Google, uh, they've already, you know, they, they've already been educated on it. So at that point, you have to basically educate them on what they want. So one step that people can take is kind of take a look at 
Um, where, uh, you know, what do you think the average person, and this can be harder than it looks because a lot of the times as an expert, um, you kind of assume that people have the same knowledge that you do. So you, you have to kind of take us, take a step back and try to look at it with fresh eyes and say, do, do most people know this or not? So, you know, and this is also the, the, the pitch to like, you know, I used to do a lot of trade shows and stuff and, and usually, you know, it would take about 30 or 60 seconds of talking about the issue before I could even get to talking about the product. That's how I knew that I was in an educational market. So look at the conversations that you're having with people. If you say I do X, Y, Z and people immediately know what you do, then you're most likely in a more aware segment of the market. Um, if you have to do a lot of explaining to even explain the need for something, chances are you're in a less aware market and that you have to be looking at channels that are more educational from that part. Um, another, uh, another way, and this is, you know, this is kind of, um, you know, hacking it is, is, you know, there's a lot of tools out there that allow you to see what other people are doing. So if you want to look at what people that are successful in your space are spending time and money on, that's sort of a hack to see, okay, look, uh, you know, if we say that somebody's spending $20,000 a month on Google AdWords, chances are, you know, it's not because they own Google stock. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, they're probably doing it because it's producing a solid return for them. And then sometimes when I'm evaluating a new niche, um, I'll go ahead and, you know, there's a, there's a fantastic tool called SpyFu, S-P-Y-F-U.com. And you can take a look and see what people in your area, if you want to put in, plug in the URL of somebody that's, uh, you know, just Google whatever it is you do in your town, see who comes up. And then you can plug that into SpyFu and see uh, an approximation of how much they're spending. And if it's a lot, maybe that's something you might want to look into. Um, similarly, if, if you're, if you know, if, you, if you're not looking at uh, paid traffic, for example, you can look into, you, know, you can just look at what kind of people are posting blogs. If no one's posting a blog in your space and there's a lot of established players, um, you know, maybe that's that maybe they're not doing it because it's it's not the best move for, for your industry. Uh, conversely, if you know, if, if there's an abundance of content, you might be able to do well on a strategy like that. Um, and then at that point, you know, you have to figure out how to differentiate yourself. That's a whole different conversation. So following uh, following people's feet, I would say, is another good way to see, you know, what a good place to start might be for these people. Oh, I like that. And uh, and, you know, I think one of the most easy things to do is to ask your customers or your clients, how did you hear about us? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Duh. It's, it's like one of those so simple things, but they forget to do that. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about, when we're talking about a, a small company, let's say, that maybe has more time and a little less money, because you talked about, you know, here's a company that's spending $20,000 on AdWords. Well, there's a lot yeah. of small companies out there that would just like to make that kind of money in, in a month. So yeah. what, what do these companies do where they're looking to really get out there and to market and start to see a good ROI on their investment? Uh, and yet they may have more time than money. And, and we'll talk about time more time, less money, and then I want you to talk about more money and less time because I'm assuming it kind of goes in that gradient. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, it's uh, you know, this is the thing I see with clients. I see my own, my own, uh, my own business, all that kind of thing. So it's like you know, when you're starting out, you have that you know, 40 hours a week, you just quit your job, you're ready to rock, but you know, you don't have a ton of money to throw at it. So, in my opinion, a lot of people do really well um, from networking, in-person stuff. And I think the reason for that is because, you know, if, if you're taking on, on the opposite end of the, of the spectrum, you have, you know, a brand that's been around for 100 years. Uh, people know what they do. They know the kind of work that they have. They, they know that this brand represents something that people can trust. When you've just opened your doors, you don't have anything like that. So one of the ways I think is really powerful to get people to trust you quickly is to, you know, to physically be there to show how genuine that you are. Right. So 
the, the higher band, and this can be really scary for people that might not be extroverted, but the returns are, are definitely good. I mean, even to this day, um, you know, I, you know, I'm doing all kinds of marketing for, for my business and, uh, you know, other people's businesses, you know, nothing's going to really come quite as close as somebody who's a referral from somebody that you met personally. Uh, and the reason why is because it's like, you know, people are able to move forward quickly with people that they can trust. And this is another thing that, you know, this is, um, you have to consider too is that you know the the different different marketing channels can have a different sales cycle and when you're starting out you need to focus on sales cycles that are going to end up you know turning into cash as soon as possible so <clears throat> the way to get out there i mean it's like you know there's there's a lot of different things that you can do for networking you have you know your chambers of commerce uh, meetup.com is a great way to go for free um you know i'm, I'm actually personally a big fan of uh, business networking international bni uh, that's the you know there's chapters in most of the places that you can go but you know the, the point is, uh, you know, you need to get in front of people that could potentially have your service. And, you know, you want to look at where those people are going to congregate. And, you know, it's, it's kind of diff difficult to provide a general case. But, you know, for example, um, you know, when I'm doing a lot of work towards lawyers, um, I'm not going to marketing events to meet people that are potential clients when I was doing that. I was going to law events. I was going to legal networking meetings. And, you know, there's plenty of those. So I was trying to go where the fish were, not the fishermen. So and anyone can kind of take that advice and, and go with it. But um, basically... Yeah, I would definitely encourage people to do uh, as high bandwidth kind of communication as possible and try to get it there. Um, you know, in addition to the networking stuff, um, you know, one of the things that's that's really great and you can do for for free is uh, you know, and this is this is also something that people might be a bit skittish about, but uh, cold email is fabulous these days. So you know, you have to it, it's it's some work in terms of building a list of people that might be ideal prospects, and you also have to craft a compelling message to say, hey, look, why. Um, why should this person care about doing business with me? And a lot of the times, you know, you're not going to ask somebody to hand over, you know, a check on that email. You're you're probably just trying to try to get them on a phone call. And if it's somebody local, you're going to try to turn that phone call into an in-person meeting or coffee or something like that. And then maybe you'll consider getting that person as a potential client or customer or whatever it may be. Uh, but again, it's like I think moving towards that in-person channel is, is is the quickest way to do that. Well, you know, you bring up something that goes back to finding the right channel. Because when you're talking about finding the right channel, you've also got to make sure that you're finding the right demographic when you're networking or when you're doing yeah. any of those types of things. And, you know, for instance, with BNI, you go in there and it's, you know, it's kind of a holistic group. Every, you know, they yeah. have everything and anything there. Um, and yet, do you find that when you go into these different groups, you go into chambers and are you really finding the right media? Are you finding the right group there? Is that the right demographic? Or should you be doing some homework to really figure out who your demographic is going to be? Well, absolutely. I think, you know, you want to start out with your persona before anything else. So, you know, going into my own example, it's like, you know, when I was when I was finding out, I had a whole list. I mean, I mean, I was living in Manhattan when I got this business started. And there were more meetups on meetup.com than I could possibly know what to do with. So, I was doing the homework to say, hey, look, you know, what the the person that's looking to uh, you know, to get to, to like, you know, who could potentially work with this, if they're taking the time to invest uh, in, in networking, and they're they're obviously interested in growing their business, so that's something that, that that's at least one level of of qualification I can get. Now, one of the things I've actually learned since is that a lot of the times, I mean, and this is this is kind of a catch twenty two with the the new business owner that doesn't have a lot to spend, but. Um, well, at least this is for marketing. It's like, you know, if you're going to be at events that have people that are, are looking to do things for free, 
um, you know, that might be somebody who has less money to spend. So wherever you have an opportunity to spend a bit more, um, you might be having a, a, you know, a higher income type of person that you're dealing with. So that's, again, that's, that's, you know, that's something that, that might not be relevant to every business. Um, you know, there's people who do events for, you know, education, uh, you know, like I know that there's people who do things, um, you know, I have a friend of mine who runs a business that's uh, consolidation of student loan debt. So they might be going to a personal finance, you know, a uh, personal finance seminar that they're giving for, you know, doctors or lawyers or somebody who has a lot of, of, of debt that they potentially have to consolidate. Doesn't always have to do that, um, you know, go that straight up BNI marketing route, although, you know, that's something that works well for me as a marketer. Um, you know, there's, there's opportunities everywhere if you know where to look. And again, it's like, you know, the more um, narrow you can get on your demographic, the more you should have some, some, you know, some ability to think of things creatively. Okay. And, you know, the other thing about the networking, I think it's, it's interesting, is you were talking about going into these meetups where you know everybody's going to need a marketer. Well, not everybody is a marketer. And so when you look yeah. at the different categories of businesses and what they're doing, I think one of the key things is when they're going into these meetings, whether, you know, particularly BNI, but, but these other meetings, that they've got to understand that there's, there's this whole time period that takes for people to really get to know you, like you, trust you. And, mm -hmm. and in some cases, the best way to do that is not ask for business, but rather, ask how you can help them grow their business. And when you do that, you've changed the dimension of those relationships. Yeah, I totally agree. And again, that kind of goes back to the more time than money thing is it's like, you know, there's first of all, you have to think about the immediate time of going to a BNI meeting. But again, it's like if you want to really make an impact for someone, uh, I heard this crazy story. This person was, uh, was going into a BNI group and he would literally get on the list of, okay, give me your top five prospects in the region. And he would literally you could literally cold call on behalf of these people and then he'd end up getting these referrals and then, you know, he shot to the top of the list. Everyone was, was giving a business and he was making, you know, tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars in a very short time. But that's like, you know, the, 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 the actual time commitment for doing this networking thing is just the first level um, to really, and if it's a really time that you have to throw at these things, you can, you can actually go through and, and, and focus on, providing value for people in this and in, in, in different ways like that. Well, I like that. Now, the other thing you mentioned uh, was cold emails. And yeah. and so I've heard it. I've heard it come different ways. I've heard some marketers say, you know what, that's a waste of your time. You have said you think it's very effective if it's done correctly. One of the biggest challenges is getting that email list. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Tell some stories based on your experience, why you believe cold emails work. And number two, how does a small business owner who may not have this huge list go about getting a list so that they can be effective in the cold email strategy? Right. So I actually have the perfect story for this. Okay. So, uh, this is actually, this goes back to, uh, you know, when I was starting my business in the, uh, in the supplement space. So like I mentioned, I was, uh, was, was dealing with triathlon coaches. So my thought process was that if we were going to develop some authority in the space and become the kind of, you know, the supplement that people wanted to work with, we needed to get some thought leadership in place. So I thought, you know, what better place to do that than the coaches of triathlon people? And thankfully, there was a certification called the USA, the USAT, the USA, uh, USA Triathlon Coaches, and they had a publicly available database on the Internet. 
So what I ended up doing, and this was just this was just the Yonjo back in the day. So I ended up, uh, I was I went on USAT.com and I was just manually copying and pasting these emails into Gmail, and I was writing these customized messages. So at the time, uh, you know. I had a, you know, I actually deliberately when when I knew that I was going to be starting this business, I actually went ahead and, and got a sales job just so I could have some experience with, you know, persuasive writing and, and speaking and stuff like that. So I was a little bit warmed up than maybe the average person, but I ended up crafting a message that was something to the effect of, hey, you know, we have this, you know, new supplement that we love, uh, we'd love you to try. We're, we're the, the eventual end goal was we wanted these people to be recommending this to their clientele. Um, but we didn't lead with that. What we led with was, hey, we've developed this new thing, and uh, we'd love to send you a bottle to see if you try it and if you'd like it. And we got a pretty good response rate from that. So, I mean, the, this, that whole strategy came from a book that I read by, um, I believe it was Aaron Ross, called um, Predictable Revenue. And this was how um, this guy's claim to fame was he built Salesforce.com from $10 million to $100 million. You, had the, the, you know, he got them to... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Nine figures in revenue, and the way that he did that was through cold email. And the whole, you know, kind of um, pitch on that that method was that it's very by the numbers. So, and I've done this in you know dozens of markets from since that, that first time I tried it. Uh, and basically, it gels what what uh, what he said in the book, which is basically if you email a hundred people, you're going to get between five and fifteen percent response rate. Um, you know, the better your list is, the better your message is, the closer it's going to be to that fifteen percent mark. Um, if it's a little off base or uncalibrated, you're probably going to be close to that five. But uh, at the end of the day, you're going to be able to get in front of those people, uh, provided that you have enough time to set it, have, spend the list, and you, you have a uh, you have some sort of an offer that's not so bad that it's a total zero. Because if you multiply anything in this set by zero, uh, it's not going to work. But um, yeah, so I mean, going on from that, basically, I was able to. So I was I, I found a database. I was manually doing this myself. And uh, I ended up, I think, messaging something like six or seven hundred people. We ended up getting 120 uh, people that ended up opting into the bottle, and we we wound up with about 30 affiliates. So over time, that was you know that was kind of the base for how we were able to get a lot of our first reviews and a lot of the the first initial authority that we were able to build in the niche, and also some distribution, which was great. So um, I would say to the person who's starting out, um, you know, it's it's definitely tedious work, but uh, you know. If you can't, I, I would say, you know, a, kind of a shortcut is finding these industry organizations, and that depends on what kind of uh, what kind of clients you do. But if it's consumer, um, I mean, I also caveat to this is that cold email is something that you're only allowed to do for a business to business sort of service. Um, you know, people throw this around sometimes. You know, I, I you know, even to this day, I have people who respond and go, "Whoa, you can't do that. That's spam." 
Um, the, the fact is, it's you know, it's, there's nothing different between sending a cold email to a business and knocking on a business's door. That's not illegal. Um, but you know, for for something that's a consumer space, you're not allowed to do that. There, you know, there's very um, very strict regulations on that. If you're going to be building a business, uh, uh, an email list in the consumer space, you need to do it with uh, a double opt-in to, to be compliant with the, the different spam stuff. But um, anyways, if you, if you do have something that's a business-to-business -business offering, um, ideally you want to look at something that's some sort of a, you know, and this could even be a Chambers of Commerce list. Like you need to find an organization that has the people that you want. So in my case, it was USA Triathlon. Um, you need to go for whatever ends up working in, in your particular business. Um, you can manually search that. And then the other thing, and like this is like, you know, the absolute bare bones. You don't have any sort of thing to deal with. You just Google, you know, types of your business that, in, and you can literally click on the Google link. Um, you go to, you know, click around, look for the, look for the email if you can find it. Um, there's actually a, a cool plugin for Chrome called Email Hunter. If you Google that. Um, that'll allow you to quickly find, they have a freemium version, so you can pay a little bit, but the, you know, you can get something like 250 email addresses per month for free or something. But, um, you can literally just go in, build it up and then just, you know, copy and paste those emails and, and then get your, uh, get your message in there. Ah, oh, I hadn't heard of that. Yeah. Email Hunter, a Google app. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's cool. And it actually gives you the emails of the people that you're trying to find. It's not a hundred percent. So the, I mean, the thing is, uh, usually if it's if it's easy to find on the site, what I personally do, if I've ever, I mean, I've ever done this, but like it's uh, it's been a while, but you know, you, you'd you'd want to look on the site to see if you can find it. Usually, it's going to be the contact page or the footer or something like that. And if not, Email Hunter can ping that domain out, and then it actually has a database of where that email has shown up, usually on other sites, and then they have a a rating to see how likely it is that that's the actual one. So that's uh, it's it's a pretty nifty tool. So, so let me ask you a question because I know a lot of people would come up and say, well, go buy a list because there are companies out there that will sell you email lists. I'd love your opinion on that. Um, okay. So, I mean, there's, there's, so again, with the, with, from the perspective of the consumer stuff, that's super illegal. So I would definitely not recommend doing that. But as far as B2B lists, you got to think about how these things are constructed. And for the most part, like, you know, I would take an email list that I personally or somebody that works for me would has personally pulled off the website in the past week than the list that was compiled who knows when, right? So, you know, some of this data might be from, you know, the company roster from 2005. And, you know, what's wrong with that is, A, you're potentially paying, you know, even if it's a couple cents, you know, over time you're going to have uh, like a pretty choppy list as far as, you know, emails that you're paying for that don't actually re represent a person. Um, the second thing is that you can get into trouble by having bad emails if you're going to be doing a lot of these mailings. So the internet service providers, like you know, I, I've used Gmail, I've been using Gmail for a while. So, you know, if, if Gmail is seeing that you're, you're getting more than about 5% of your emails are bouncing, then they're going to assume that you're spamming and you're building the stuff on mass because it's like, you know, that's, it, it, that's, that's the kind of stuff that they're trying not to do. So like, you know, at the end of the day, what they're trying to avoid is the people who are, you know, shady list vendors who might've gotten your email for a coupon or something. And then, you know, this, this company is, is just, you know, the unscrupulous and they'll sell your email list to someone else. And then the next thing you know, you're getting ads from every which way from people that are buying this list. That's what the email service providers are, are trying to avoid because it makes the internet a worse place. Um, the thing that's unfortunate about the list vendors is that if you're, you know, if, if these emails are outdated, you're going to look like one of those people and it's just pure by the numbers. That's what these, these ISPs are looking for and able to verify that, that you're, they're doing stuff legit. So that's the thing I would say one it's, it's, you know, chances are it's outdated data. 
um, you know, where these things work, it's like, you know, this was something that was a lot easier to do. I mean, a, a lot of these, a lot of these companies, um, you know, they're, they're the next extension of list brokers that were from like the direct response mailing era. And, you know, as you can imagine, it's a little harder to change your, your email, ad- it's a little harder to change your physical address than your email address, but they're still working on those timelines. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what you gotta think. It's like, you know, email addresses move fast. I, w- I would try to keep that as fresh as possible if, if it's at all, uh, it's something you can do. Good answer. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) So, so I noticed in one of your other blogs, you start talking about more money than time. So at some point in time, I would say sequentially, after a company has got going, and they've spent more time than money, and and maybe they've joined different networking groups, and they're starting to see some revenue come in to the point where they can start to realize that they need a marketing budget, whatever that is. I don't happen to believe in percentages, but Mm. I believe that they need to be able to establish a marketing budget and then exponentially work from there. So what are your recommendations when they're at that point where they see that they actually have some money to spend? So, yeah, I got a few. I mean, here's the thing. I'm actually totally in agreement with you about the whole percentage thing. And like, you know, there's a couple of industries that I've worked in, like dental, for example, I'll say I'll send 10%. But the thing is that uh, I think it's it's so hard to, um, I mean, the, the thing is, if you want to look at the companies that are growing the fastest, it's typically the ones that are reinvesting the most in their growth. And I try to keep this from like, you know, a purely, purely numbers perspective. Um, you know, if you can have something that's say, you know, a five to one ROI, which isn't, you know, insane by the, the any stretch of the imagination, it's something a lot of marketers can achieve, you know, pretty regularly. So if you're a business owner, um, you know, if you can make a 500% return, even if that takes a year, uh, you know, what stock is going to allow you to do that? You know, you, what, you know, what bank is going to offer you that sort of return? So if you have a positive ROI marketing channel, that's likely going to be the best, you know, single way that you're going to increase your personal wealth uh, as a small business owner. That's, that's the reality. And, and, and we're extremely fortunate as small business owners to have that opportunity available to us. So I think the whole, uh, you know, what you're really looking for is, is you know, you're, you're trying to establish, you know, you, you don't, and especially if you're starting out and, and you want to find out where that high ROI channel is. So my kind of, you know, back of the napkin rule of thumb for this is I don't really go by a percentage or anything like that. I go by, you know, this is if I'm trying out a new customer, it's like, you know, let's say uh, you, you need to get uh, an idea of how much your customer is worth. Um, and again, this probably works a little bit better for B2B, but you have to, if, you know, if you say that, you know, an average, you know, an average service contract with somebody is worth $5,000, then you should be willing and able to spend $5,000 to establish whether you can at least break even. And if you can break even on that, then the marketing experiment is essentially free. And then you can, you can work on that to, to kind of get your own feet under you and, 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 and increase the efficiency of that sort of thing. So that's usually how I go about, uh, you know, recommending people do that. And you know, it's like, you know, you, you, there's, there's just so many different options that you can have to do that. But um, you know, if, if somebody can do that, that's, you really have to look at it as, you know, on the other side of this is a potential vending machine that every single time you're going to put in that $5,000, you're going to get 25 out. Um, and if, if you, if you keep the faith that that's, that's something that's, that's available and you just have to find, you know, keep clicking the lock and see where it is, then, then that's, that's what you have to have the mentality of doing. Well, so in, in effect, what you're saying is you've got to be willing to, number one, have patience, but you've got to be willing to experiment a little bit as to which channel. Now, we talked a little bit about how you might 
do that earlier ahead of time to kind of have a better idea of where the channel is right. But but the reality is, is you may go to this channel and see you're not getting any kind of ROI at all. You may go over to this channel. So how, how do you do that intelligently so at the end of the day, after six months, you haven't spent $5,000 and you have nothing to show for it? Versus, you know, you, you've spent 5000 and at least you, you have now discovered here's a channel that's going to start to produce at least that 500% ROI. Yeah. So this is something that I, uh, there's, there's a certain expectation for the different channels that can have different payoffs. And like, you know, broadly, there's, there's two sort of payoffs that I think that you can get in, in the world of marketing. So one is, is like a linear payoff. So this is, you know, AdWords, AdWords pay-per-click kind of falls into that space. So provided you have a market that works for that kind of stuff, um, you know, in the legal space, for example, you know, we tell our clients that they're going to expect the phone to start ringing in 72 hours. And the reason for that is because we're in a market where people know, you know, what you're selling is a known quantity. Somebody needs a personal injury lawyer in Boston, then, you know, it's not going to, you know, their chances are they're lying on the side of the road with a broken leg and they're not going to take 12 months to, to getting that. Right. So, uh, you know, they, that's where that exists. Uh, I, I recommend going for the, the channels that can pay themselves off the quicker, um, you know, kind of the, the downside of that is, is a lot of times those aren't the highest ROI channels. So you might not get a hundred to one return on your on your investment like that, but you know if you can get a three, four, five x return on that, that that's usually pretty good. Okay, so, so I'm going to stop you there for a minute. Stop you yeah. there for a minute. Let's make sure that our audience understands what falls within that linear category. Now you talked about pay per clicks, but but can you get a little bit more specific so they understand what you're talking about here? Yeah, absolutely. So basically, anything. Um, let me take one step back. So yeah, so, so the linear stuff is it's something it's a channel that's available right away and and usually this is going to fall into the space of paid media so this would be opposed to sort of it um the other thing is a sort of an exponential channel which is something that's it's more of a flywheel it takes a lot of energy to to get started you might not have results for a while but when you get the results it's going to be that sort of hockey stick where all of a sudden you know you're having more traffic than you know what to deal with um, the thing about and so so basically and, and the real difference here is, you know, whether you're using something that's organic, organic channels uh, tend to fall into the exponential and paid channels tend to be in the linear. So classic example of this would be pay-per-click versus, you know, content marketing and SEO. So pay-per-click, um, you know, if you, if, you, if you open up Google right now and type in, you know, uh, you know lawyer plus your town, um, you know, the top are going to be the ads and Google can let you advertise on that tomorrow, Right. That's why it's linear. Uh, Google's gonna, you know, there, and, and then most most places that have networks, you know, this could be something like, you know, Google or Facebook or Yelp, or even if you want to take us before the days of the internet, um, you know, if you're the person who owns a billboard by the side of the highway, you can rent that billboard tomorrow if you have if you have the highest bid. Um, the other thing would be, so, and then this is to contrast with the organic stuff would be like, you know, if you're starting a blog, uh, chances are it's not going to be a flood of traffic tomorrow. But if you're consistently posting then you're more likely to have results 6, 12 months down the line. And once you have those results, those are sort of your results to keep, and they'll keep compounding on that. So, um, But basically with the linear stuff, because we have to assume that – so you know, the fast stuff typically is the stuff that's paid. And because it's paid, we just have to make sure that we're establishing that uh, you know, you're, you're not spending money for nothing. You know, is, is the proverbial juice worth the squeeze? So, and then, you know, that, that really boils down to, can I spend a thousand dollars and, you know, get a thousand and one back or, you know, ideally closer to five or 10. 
So basically from that, you know, and, and you know, my experience is, is, is heavily weighted towards the AdWords stuff. So, you know, if somebody says, hey, okay, look, we, uh, we're making $3,000 per retainer. If we can get something that between the service and the ads is $3,000, in a month from now, are we going to have more or less than $3,000? And if it's less than that, then that's not something I would encourage people to continue. Um, especially if the sales cycle is short. I mean, like for a personal injury attorney, it's like, you know, we're not hemming and hawing for months to get something done. It's like, you know, those, those things are going to close. But, um, you know, if you have a longer sales cycle, do you have, uh, you know, maybe it's not $3,000 in closed retainers in month one. Maybe it's three opportunities and you're closing one in three and it's going to be 3000 when it closes, but that's just the business that you're in. So you need to make sure that, um, you know, that that's something that's going to be making more money than you're spending because, you know, when you're doing that, uh, you know, it's a battery when it's not, then, you know, you're just wasting your time. Okay. So you talk about content marketing, SEO, um, SEO takes a long time and, right. and sometimes it can and cannot, you know, may not be the best thing to do. <clears throat> what other options are there though? Doing blogs. If you're writing a blog, how do you get it read? Well, that's a big thing too. Cause I mean, the thing is we're, I mean, in, in 2017, it's really, really hard to separate a couple of different like, uh, you know, markets. So it's like, you know, you have content, SEO, social and PR, are all kind of flavors of the same thing. So I mean, I think, and honestly, the, the core of that is is the content, in my opinion, because you have to have something that's valuable that people are going to want to read. Otherwise, no one's going to want to read it. A, um, if you're promoting it, no one's going to want to share it. Um, you have to have something that that's actually adding value to people's you know existence. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to really be. You know, there's there's no reason somebody's just going to promote drivel. Um, but the thing is that yeah, in order to promote it, it's like so so now you've written your blog post, right? Um, you know, a lot of times in some of the strategies, and I'm, you know, I've done this for myself, but I, I don't consider myself an expert. But it's like, you know, you're going to have to reach out to, you know, to find out who the influencers are in your space. And you have to reach out to them and say, hey, look, uh, I have this thing. I think your audience might be interested. So in that, you know, when you're sending out that email, um, you're doing the work of somebody's in PR, right? Um, when you're establishing that somebody has the influence on, you know, name that network, Facebook, Twitter, what, what have you, um, you know, you have to be able to, you know, you're putting on a social media person's hat. Um, you know, when you're determining the keywords that should this thing end up getting a bunch of links will bring in a lot of traffic, you have to kind of be an SEO person. So a lot of these things are kind of interconnected and it's, um, and it's, it's, it's quite a challenging thing indeed to, to, to go out. That's why I actually don't do it for clients. <laughs> it's, it's very complex. So how do you find somebody that will do it for clients? Because, you know, if someone asks me to do SEO for my own self, it's like, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, this is a thing. So, so I, um, you know, this is kind of a departure and it, I've, uh, like I, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of bad stuff out there because this is the way that, that the internet marketing world has kind of evolved and there's, you know, a bit of a history lesson. So, you know, if, if it was 1999 and you wanted to be on the first page of Google, if you just knew that there was something called Google, you're already in the top 1% worldwide of people who you know how to do that stuff. So the bar, for, so when, when every form of internet marketing came out, um, just knowing of it was enough to make you a top producer. Um, you know, fast forward to 2017, um, you know, if you're not doing the right stuff in SEO, not only will you not get results, um, you could potentially get your, your domain banned by Google forever. So, and the, you know, the, the level of competition has risen so high that it's, it's almost impossible to do more than one thing at the same time. Um, you know, similarly, but, but the way that these things kind of evolved is a lot of the times it's like, you know, if you went back, like I said, go back to 1999, the people who were setting up websites, a lot of the times were like, you know, system administrators and people who worked in IT. They just knew about computers and then they were a web guy. 
Um, again, fast forward to 2017, people who are doing it are, are more marketing than technical, but it has that same perception. So the reason I go into this is that a lot of the people who started off as web design shops back in the early 2000s sort of added all these different things to their portfolio as they came out. So first they were a web design shop, then when SEO became hot, they were an SEO shop. Uh, in addition to that, and then all of a sudden they were a social media shop, and they were a paid advert shop, and then you know they basically do everything under the sun. And where people were were being honest with themselves, they probably weren't most likely doing it all for themselves. And, and there's this kind of the shadow economy, which is something that not a lot of people outside of the agency world know about. But a lot of the times, you know, uh, I only do paid traffic for people. Um, but you know, there's a, there's another school of thought that says I do paid traffic. And you know, if you say, hey, Jan, I need a, I need somebody to do SEO. I'll say, oh yeah, I can do that for sure. And then you know, I'll, I'll run around and go to elance.com and post SEO, SEO assistant needed. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm just taking out this totally unproven person to go run your account. And you know, because I'm not an ethical marketer, I'll happily take your retainer, but that's just not the way I like to do it. Um, so anyways, all that to say, um, I think the way to establish the people that aren't doing that kind of thing is to look for relevant experience wherever possible. So, you know, when I'm going into a pitch with somebody that's a lawyer, the reason I kind of decided to take that focus was because it's it's easier for me to say, hey, trust me, you know, we can handle this stuff. Uh, I'm I'm super smart because of all these cool credentials that I have. But I get like, you know, that's 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 not something I do. And so I say, hey, look, you know, here are the results that we got. This trust in the state's lawyer in New Jersey got you know 60 leads in a month. Uh, is this something that you want in Pennsylvania? Um, and then that's that's the sort of thing that I can do because that's why I form my practice. But you know, in lieu of having that sort of thing, you should at least be able to see something similar in your space. So if you're a service business, ask them what kind of service business they've been working for. If you're an e-commerce brand, ask them what kind of e-commerce things. So, I mean, obviously, you're never going to get the perfect apples to apples you know, version of your business. You know, it's like, you know, if you spell, if you sell kazoos in the, you know, the middle of Texas and, you know, you need somebody who's going to be in the, within 20 miles of your zip code that does the exact same thing, they're not going to work with you because that's your competitor. But, um, you know, being able to find, um, a, a proxy for what someone does. And, and then also, you know, to, to bolt onto that conversation, all things equal, um, I would say go with the specialist shop uh, above a generalist, unless the domain experience is really, really, really compelling. Okay. And, you know, I like that idea. <clears throat> so what you're really saying is if you've got one person that says, oh, yeah, I can do this, 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 and this for you, it's like, all right, it's time to run because yeah. you need to find someone that can, for instance, do the branding for you. You need someone that can then do the website for you. You need someone then that can determine whether you want to go linear or exponential and what's going to mm -hmm. work best for you and what's the right channel for you. So being able to find those experts and work with each of those individually sounds like it's really a much better approach. Well, yeah, because you're getting the best of all worlds. And the other thing, too, is that, you know, what I think is just, you know, the, the current state of marketing, a lot of these people, it's like, you know, here's the thing. If, if you did ask me to do SEO, I don't know how to do SEO, but I have a, you know, a partner. I was not a partner. So, you know, a person that I work with, I've worked with, with a number of clients on that does a fantastic job. And those are the kind of people that I network with. Right. Because, you know, I get a lot of when somebody asks him if he needs PPC, then he recommends me to, to recommends that person to me. I recommend my PPC, uh, my SEO work to him and, and so on and so forth. So a lot of these uh, you know, experts that are doing the work of getting out there, a lot of times they'll have people on the roster that they can recommend you to. And, you know, I hopefully there's there's no kind of you know shady backdoor dealings with that. But for the most part, um, you know, people who, who rely on, on having a word that people can trust, uh, you know, will be able to make honest recommendations about people that are also experts. Well, and that's fantastic. And Jan, guess what? We, we're out of time. 
Can oh, you believe no. that? <laughs> Flew by. <laughs> hey, man, this has just been really interesting. You, you've got some incredible insights, I think, that are going to be so valuable for our listeners. Thank you so much, though. Yeah, it was, was a lot of fun. Well, and let's, let's remind the audience again how they can reach you. Now, your niche really is attorneys. Is that correct? Um, yeah, so I, I, uh, yeah, we're primarily attorneys, but uh, we, we accept other niches on a, sort of a waitlist basis. But um, yeah, if anyone wants to take a look, um, expertengines.co is the website, and then there's a contact form that you could uh, you can touch with me. Oh, fantastic. Hey, thanks so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. All right. Thanks. It was a pleasure. You bet. And folks, hey, thanks for listening to us today, and we appreciate your uh, your loyalty to the show, and we look forward to having you join us next week. Meanwhile, have a wonderful week. This is Dr. Duck. Thanks for joining us on Dr. Doug Radio today. Call 800-260-1789 now for a free online business diagnostic analysis and a growth strategy session with Dr. Doug. That's 800-260-1789 or go to www.diagnosemybusiness.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.